Hello, and welcome back to the Green Team of the Legendarium, the spin-off podcast of the main podcast of Legendarium. Today, we will be covering Wintersmith by Terry Pratchett, the third book in the Tiffany Aching series. The previous book that we covered in this was We Free Men, which was the first. Note that we are skipping over the second because we wanted a festive episode today. I am joined today by Hiran Van, who just can't leave me alone. Uh, sorry, it's just me. I can't help it. My favorite lady of the Discord, Little Red Book. Hello. And the very special guest, the esteemed Tori. Hello, Internet. Welcome who back. Who are we to talking to? Who are we talking to? You're talking to Ashamath. If, if the Malazan readers aren't all listening to this podcast. So we're going to start with a spoiler-free section before moving on to a spoiler-filled discussion at the end. Now, probably about 10 minutes in. Initial impressions. Spoiler-free thoughts. Hit me with them. Delightful. I've been uh, accused on our Discord of disliking YA. That's just not true, because this is delightful. And when I'm reading it, I can't not have a smile on my face. Master Terry is uh, a wonderful wordsmith who can, I don't know, give a sense of, hmm, what's the right word? Je ne sais quoi. Eh, something less pretentious. Uh, I don't know. Fan- fantastical. Whimsy. And so charms. The whimsy's a good one. I was going to say charm, charming and fantastical. I, I was going to say uh, fantastical in a fantasy novel. <laughs> yeah. That's why I didn't want to use fantastical. But whimsy works, and whimsy and fantastical would make uh, that word that I just said that I forgot again. <laughs> but yeah, those, those are my impressions. Uh, Tiffany's fantastic. Uh, he's the master of character. And this is kind of an, uh, a meta tale, so I love meta. I just think that this is, as Huron said, it's delightful. It's just a charming story. I love the Nat Mac Fiegels. Um It's nice to see our uh, Roland and Tiffany both getting a little older, getting more mature, going through some things. Um, and yeah, it makes me happy. Can't ask for more than that from a book, right? Go ahead, Tori. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's a fabulous um, entry into not just the Tiffany Aching series, but the Disc- Discworld series as a whole. Um, kind of at the height of Pratchett's abilities. Yeah, I, I'll, I am like a little bit more tepid on this. <laughs> I, I liked We Free Men quite a lot. This one's like a, like a half step down because uh, I think in We Free Men... I really resonated with the grandmother portion of the story. And that was that was beautiful. He it kept coming back to that. I thought it was an amazing exploration of what happens with grief. Um and there is a chapter in this book that like really was very, very good. I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, you definitely do. <laughs> and the core conflict of the story is interesting and uh, like honestly, I wish I had read this as a kid because then I could understand some of what was going on in the the female mind. <laughs> that would have been useful. Um, <laughs> but it definitely wasn't a conflict that like had me on the edge of my seat at all, right? Like it's you know what's going to happen essentially. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I still I still really liked this book. I enjoyed reading it. I laughed. I almost cried, um, but uh, it's not the peak of Discworld for me, that's for sure. Uh, I also agree. I, I would say this is a middle-of-the-range Discworld uh, yeah. and a step back from Week for Men. But I will get into the reasons why later. Yeah, not peak Discworld, but it is peak Pratchett. Yeah, and, and like... T- Terry Pratchett that. is a superlative author, absolutely. Like, even on his bad days, he's just got a mastery of language that almost nobody has, um, or can like comes close to, I think. And he has such a strong and charismatic voice 
And he's so good at writing characters that you really, really love. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like, his characters are the best they've ever been, or just as good as they've been in any of his stories. And his use of language and metaphor and uh, just fun turn of phrase and puns is, is right on point in this book. And uh, as always, I always mention this. I, I always love how Terry's not afraid to get a little angry while he writes. <laughs> he does it less with the Tiffany Aching books, I find. But uh, yeah, it's still there, and he's still willing to be really raw. Uh, no, there's a pretty raw scene in the next Tiffany Aching book. I won't spoil it, but um, there's one in I Shall Wear Midnight that's, that really sticks in my brain. Yeah, and in, in We Free Men, there's the, uh, the story of the old lady that the villagers thought was a witch. Yes, yes. That, yeah. that, like, that's a perfect example. Like, I was so angry, but yeah. yeah that's... <laughs> so uh, getting back to what you were saying about getting into the female adolescent mind, I actually really, really was blown away by how well he did that. So there's this whole thing where she's starting to become attractive and is uncomfortable with it, but also kind of excited about it and kind of wants to be attractive and kind of doesn't. And she's Mm -hmm. in this weird space. And I just thought, was Terry a teenage girl? (laughs) And I, I, I just really resonated with that at that about that age having those feelings and also not just finding that she's attractive and is getting attention for it but like boys start doing things for her yes that too and she's really trying to work out how she feels and she's like 75 percent of her is upset at what's happening and then you know 25 percent is actually kind of really digging this (laughs) and and that's what i love about the role that um nanny og plays in this she's just so earthy and she's just like yeah well you get the boys to do what you want honey that's how you work it <laughs> he should be scared of you yeah. Nanny yeah. Og is gold. Spoilers? <laughs> I, I don't understand how that's a, that's not a spoiler just saying that we have this well, character if you want to talk about Nanny Og and what she says I think that's a spoiler oh I don't okay well we yeah we can we can start to move into spoilers um I, I think we'll probably all agree that uh the witches in the story are amazing Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, if you liked the witches in previous Discworld novels, uh, you'll probably like this one. All right. Spoiler time. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Nanny Og, I agree. I, no, I loved seeing here in summary first. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Don't jump. <laughs> <laughs> we rejoin Tiffany Aching as she continues her witch education with the venerable Miss Treason. She's taken to witness a dance for the changing of the seasons and listens to her feet more than is sensible, catching the eye of the wintersmith. Tiffany fends off his advances as winter comes, Miss Treason dies, and a new witch takes Miss Treason's place in the community. The Knack McFeagles and their, her boy toy, Roland, venture into the underworld to free the summer lady and Tiffany slays the wintersmith, ushering in the long-delayed spring. So, uh, Nanny Ock. Yes. I loved seeing Nanny Hogg separate. Up until now, it's always been a Nanny Hogg as like kind of a sidekick to Granny Weatherwax, right? Right. And so it's nice to see her removed from, you know, the Granny, Granny Weatherwax shadow and just see her as her own. And she, she doesn't change. She's exactly what you'd expect her to be. But it's so funny and so insightful. And uh, if... If Granny Weatherwax wasn't Granny Weatherwax, then Nanny Og would be a fantastic main character in her uh, as herself. Well, she likes that though. She likes playing second fiddle. She doesn't. Yeah, want she... To... Okay. I I was gonna say she does. She's not looking to be the best. She's just, yeah. She's looking to be the dirty old aunt that can talk to their uh, the kids about their problems. Yeah, there was there was a whole dynamic, and I think it was Carpe Jugulum where she didn't want to be the crone. The other like, one, that's right? Yeah, yeah, the maiden, the mother, and the crone, and she was like, "No, no, no, no!" Like, I'm Granny's got to be, yeah, it, uh, because being the crone comes with certain responsibilities, and she did not want those. 
uh, that, that scene when she's, uh, I think, I don't know if she was going to talk to uh, Tiffany about sex. They were just upfront about it, which is great. But mm-hmm. Tiffany, I love when Tiffany's explaining her. I have lots of older sisters, and I know exactly where babies come from. Oh, you know where they come from, eh? and I know how they get there too. <laughs> <laughs> but then, building off of that, she's like, "Well, do you know how to deal with this?" She, she gives this lesson on how to deal with her power as the feminine. Like that is the lesson that she really Tiffany needs, not where babies yeah. come from. Not just that, she she needed advice on how to handle boys, and Nanny Og is the perfect person to talk about that. I Yeah, I would like to gift a Nanny Og to every girl that's growing up. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, for sure. And honestly, probably Mysteries and, and Granny Weatherwax and all of, literally all the witches. Yeah, I just, I need a whole coven of them. <laughs> what I lo- love about the witches is they're all very very different from one another and yet uh they're all witches except for miss earwig maybe she she seems <laughs> the least witchy of all the witches um she's uh, just a pretentious um twat yes <laughs> i was gonna say something else but yes <laughs> twats probably better <laughs> i like um how they perceive their job like they go when they visit the little late old lady and give her a bath and that was witching and they go and mm-hmm. visit the new mother and that was witching and they go and visit the you know the old man who shoots at them <laughs> with, with imaginary weapons he's gonna catch <laughs> death one day <laughs> yeah in, in one of the early chapters she's like yeah we, we did this and we did this and it's nothing you would probably consider to be witchcraft right she's like it's all witchcraft or she's talking about uh Annabella, and she's like, oh, Annabella, she learned magic, but she never learned witchcraft. And Anagramma. Yeah, Anagramma. Anagramma. And oh, these are so frustrating. But then at, at the end, <laughs> it, it, all, it all worked out. It all worked out, yeah. I, I really liked that bit, actually. Tiffany is a good soul. And, of course, Granny Weatherwax ends up winning. <laughs> she wins up winning. <laughs> Um, but I also really loved how Tiffany got one over on Granny Weatherwax by giving her you. The yes. Cat. Oh, that was yes. such a great scene. And that's just how you fall in love with cats, right? <laughs> Even if you don't want to. <laughs> I, I would probably leave it outside. Because <laughs> ah, you're a monster. The cats are supposed to be outside, especially if you live in like a cottage or something. That's where they catch the mice and stuff. No, they need to be snuggled up under your hat. Yes. I agree. <laughs> I just love that she refuses to give the cat an actual name. You. <laughs> you is a perfectly acceptable and- name for a cat. I had a cousin once who had a cat named Dammit. So she could be like, Dammit, quit. <laughs> Get over here, Dammit. Do I, do I need to beat that, guys, or are we good? Damn, no. Um, yeah, Dam is fine. <laughs> Sorry, I yeah. should have asked. No, you're fine. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> Clearly, it's fine, right? <laughs> um, but of course, in this book, Miss Treason is my favorite. She's, she's not she's my so favorite good. witch, but her Miss Treason's big day was far and away the high point of the novel for me. Which is not to say I didn't enjoy the other, rest of the novel. It's just this one was so good. Um, it felt like such an like if you were to. If you have to die, and you do, um, going out like Miss Treason is about the best way I think possible, right? That's one of the more enviable parts of the Discworld, is that the witches and wizards know when death is going to come for them, so they yeah. can prepare. Um, there's a great party at, in uh, Reaper Man when Wendell Poons is uh, supposed right. to have his death day. Um I love how practical they are because you have to be with with that kind of knowledge, right? Right. You can't die. You're 113. Yes, that would be why. (laughs) Yes. Um, but it it was, yeah, this it was so sad. Um, I don't know if it's because I had family that died this year, uh, and it was just kind of like it's just reverberating. Um, but. There was this uh, one quote that I really liked from that section. 
Well, at least you've got a happy ending, Miss Treason, Tiffany whispered. It was a silly thing to say and deserved what it got. We make happy endings, child, day to day. But you see, for the witch, there are no happy endings. There are just endings. And here we are. Right, right in the feels. <laughs> uh, I, I was a little sad before she died. And uh, I don't know how... It's hard for me to understand exactly what Miss Treason thought. But she seemed to think that the people in the village didn't love her and appreciate her. And Tiffany was trying to convince her that they did. And then the fact that they all showed up at her, her funeral maybe convinced her otherwise. I'm not sure. Still demanding advice. <laughs> I think she knew what she was doing. I think she knew what, what she was about and that they did love her. And they loved her because they feared her. Or something. Like, I, I don't think she didn't. What would you say is the central theme of the story? Bafo. Yes. Bafo dealing with change. But uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a uh, seems to be a that's a thing that carries thing. through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think Bafo was just uh, a part of it. I, I think the central theme would probably be just be the power of stories themselves. Oh my god, and... a story about stories. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I said earlier. It was very meta. It's what part of why I liked it so much. And really, almost everything fit into that. Roland became the hero. Um, but Bafo and... is part of that. Because Bafo... Exactly, is... that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and Bafo was creating a story. And Annabelle, Annabelle, Anna, Anagramma story also fell into that. And uh, it was, it was, I think it fit in really thematically very well. Yes, I agree. That's a good point, I think. No notes. Um, so going back to Miss Treason a little bit, I love that she's blind and she uses the eyes of like all the creatures in her house. Including Disney. She has two <laughs> ravens. Now that's an enviable position. Yes. I wish I had two ravens. She also <laughs> has a she has a seeing eye eye mouse. Yeah. She, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Tiffany gets really grumpy when uh, Miss Treason uses her eyes. She's like, stop that. Get out of my head. Stop reading my diary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, uh, something else I thought of. Um, so the, the Wintersmith, he tried to become human and he mm -hmm. got almost there, but what he was really missing was uh, he had all the parts that make up a human, but none of the parts that make that are human. And I think Tiffany said something about the important part is being able to uh, observe other people and imitate their behavior and having uh, narrativium, which is an yes. element of narrative that uh, re humans require to be human, which I thought was just a beautiful bit. So are you saying humans need stories to be human? I think so. And that's, <laughs> that's funny because literally yesterday I finished uh, The Hogfather. And so it was on my mind. <laughs> oh, I'm saving my annual listen for next week. Okay. I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the thing that made me cry is actually the part where he, she confronts um, the wintersmith. And he wants so badly to be human. And he just doesn't he doesn't understand and then she kisses him and the palace explodes and all this kind of stuff. But it's it, to me, that was this poor creature. That's not, can't be a creature. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think Tiffany even thought so herself that later she would yeah. cry for the, the winter Smith who wanted to be human, but couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was <clears throat> that. Yeah. That is like a deeply tragic part, right? Cause Wintersmith isn't gonna that's not gonna happen like this again, right? Not I don't think at least. And even if it did, Wintersmith's not gonna maybe be able to succeed, it seems. Even though right. he does try really hard. He does all the things that you're supposed to do, right? That well the things that he thought you were supposed to do. Um which, you know I think everyone who's tried really, really hard and just failed anyways, uh, can probably relate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, um, if we're talking about moving parts, I'll, I'll go back to the treason's death chapter. And I, I, I was really moved by it because of the last lines of that chapter. Oh. And uh, she said, Tiffany sat in a stump and cried a bit because it needed to be done. 
then she went and milked the goats because someone had to do that too. Yep. That was the other part that almost yeah. got me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, I, so the, one of the family members that died, I had to watch their funeral <clears throat> in the morning. And then afterwards I went to work. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They, when my mother died, they gave me as much time as I wanted off work. And I literally just took the one week off to just do some stuff I had to do. And then I went back to work because I just couldn't stand it. Because this gave me something to think about besides mom being dead. You know what I mean? It's like, we need that too. We need the distraction sometimes. Yes. Mm -hmm. if, that, if that makes sense. Anyway. A particularly clever word play uh, areas that they wanted to share. Oh, yeah, I've got one. We're not going to talk about Roland and the Mac McFeagles? Oh, we can, sure. Before we do clever wordplay. Okay. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ro Roland going into the underworld to rescue Lady Summer. I love this part of the story so much. Um, and they dress him up, <laughs> the Mac McFeagles. <laughs> Dress him up in the most ridiculous outfit, this chainmail chain that doesn't fit. They give him a giant sword. And then uh, the ferryman, by the way, is also very funny. Not you guys again. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, he ends up losing the sword and then he creates the sword in his imagination when the boggles are coming for him. Yeah. Yes. And that I just. That was so cool because Roland has always kind of been he's clumsy and he's awkward and it it just I loved seeing him come into his own. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because he wasn't just any hero. He was being a hero for Tiffany. And you know, if Tiffany needed a hero, it had to be him. Right? And right. so he had to do it in his own way. Yeah. He was your knight and I don't know if it was shining, but it was certainly armor. Right. <laughs> I, um, I, I agree with everything you said, but I also, I think I wish Roland was in the story more. I do too, it's, actually. For sure. Um. She, she's thinking about him, obviously, like when, when you're that age and you're thinking about someone. But I, I, it seemed kind of sudden at the end and everything happened so quickly. Yeah. Uh, I really liked the part where Tiffany heard that uh, a girl showed him water paints. And she got really <laughs> mad. <laughs> she, got, she got so mad. Looking at other girls' Looking paint. at watercolors. And then she takes yeah. up painting. <laughs> Because <laughs> he got her paints. <laughs> he got her paints. Yeah, I love what she was talking about with uh, Nanny Og, and she's like, "Well, you dance with the Wintersmith." She's like, "Yeah, but I didn't mean to." And he's like, "Well, maybe, she or I was just being nice. So maybe Roland was just being nice." <laughs> Nanny Og. Uh, Nanny Og knows what's up. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I caught like okay, Terry Pratchett's not trying to make a world that's verisimilitudinous to uh, medieval times. But I still take issue with his um, describing of weapons as too heavy to lift. There was an axe that nobody could lift in the castle, and Roland could barely lift his sword. Um, and that's just not how weapons work, folks. They're very light. I have a spear that's like three pounds. Turns out you need to be able to swing weapons. <laughs> I think swords. I mean, a thirteen-year-old boy probably wouldn't be able to swing a claymore, right? Well, like a claymore is going to be like not even. Well, I I don't know if it's not even ten pounds or maybe like a little bit more, but like like even really really big and heavy swords are far lighter than like farming equipment. Because you know, if you're swinging it around all day, you have to be able to swing it around all day. <laughs> maybe. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Like, yeah, you can lift it. But the the swinging around all day part that takes work a lot of work. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's super hard stuff. And like, if you if you see guys that do like HEMA, historical European martial arts, they're just jacked. 
Uh, Mac Mac Fiegel's one of my favorite bits uh, that they kept doing was when they were talking about uh, the wee big hag and the big big hag and the haga hags and all the hagging things that they do, like the pursing of the lips and the folding of the arms. Oh, whaley, whaley. <laughs> the folding <laughs> of the arms and the pursing oh, no, of the lips. Whaley, whaley. It was funny every time. Or when uh, Tiffany tr- uh, tries to coax the truth out of them and they... They try to appease her with a lie. He's like, "Oh, I swear, it's a really good lie. It's much I more." I can tell you a story. <laughs> oh, oh, and the part with the codes because <laughs> they keep reading her mail, and they're yeah. like, "Now they're writing in codes." <laughs> and also the fact that they're learning to read because is it Rob? Anybody who married the the yes. new? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Elda, thank you. And she reads, and her brothers read that she she brings with them, and so he's trying to learn how to read. And you'd never thought you would see character growth in a Macnac Fiegel. The first <laughs> one is a picture book, I think. And what's the second one? It's like the principles of accounting or something. You're something right. Like yeah, <laughs> but he put dragons in it. It's so great. Not just a picture book. It's the picture book from Thud. <laughs> Which, oh, is it? Yes, oh, really? But, which has become a standalone picture book. Oh, really? You can go out and buy. <laughs> of course it has. Oh, speaking of things from Discworld that have become real, there is a an album titled Wintersmith based on the Tiffany Aching series, listeners. It's done by, apparently, um, Terry Pratchett's favorite band. Um, let's see. Eli Steve. Yeah, Steel Ice Band. <laughs> and it has such tracks as The Dark Morris Song, Wintersmith, The Good Witch, The Wee Free Men, The Making of a Man, and many more. It's, that's neat. Terry Pratchett, I think he makes a guest appearance in there as well. He, he does. I haven't listened to it yet, but I, I, I want to. The genre is British folk rock, prog rock. Look at that. <laughs> Anyways, continue with what you were saying. I... <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I don't have anything else to say now. Now I think I feel ready to go on to pithy quotes. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we got Roland and the Fiegels in. I've been trying to gather mine. Uh, okay. I I have lots and lots of I really really lots and lots of uh, uh, highlights. Well, the Tori goes first. Then I saved a. It's kind of a long one. Tiffany got up early and lit the fires. When her mother came down, she was scrubbing the kitchen floor very hard. Uh, aren't you supposed to do that sort of thing by magic, dear? Said her mother, who'd never really got the hang of what witchcraft was all about. No, mum, I'm supposed not to, said Tiffany, still scrubbing. But can't you just wave your hand and make all the dirt fly away, then? The trouble is getting the magic to understand what dirt is, said Tiffany, scrubbing hard at a stain. I heard of a witch over in escrow who got it wrong and ended up losing the entire floor and her sandals and nearly a toe. Mrs. Aching backed away. I thought you just had to wave your hands about, she mumbled nervously. (laughs) That works, said Tiffany, but only if you wave them about on the floor with a scrubbing brush. Yep. Harry's got it. (laughs) Um, Okay, I have one. It's also long. It's not, it's also not particularly funny, but <clears throat> a witch didn't do things because they seemed like a good idea at the time. That was practically cackling. You had to deal every day with people who were foolish and lazy and untruthful and downright unpleasant. And you could certainly end up thinking that the world would be considerably improved if you gave them a sn- slap. But you didn't, because as Miss Tick had once explained, A, it would only make the world a better place for a very short time. B, it would make the world. It would then make the world a slightly worse place. And see, you're not supposed to be as stupid as they are. <laughs> uh, Miss Tick's so good. Miss Tick is so good. Her her intro scene of this book is amazing. Oh yes, the book oh, about uh, yeah. how to deal with witches. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's the they have to. The, the incantation they have to say to the witch before they drown her is, it's a pity I'm an ass. <laughs> no, no, it is. It did sap it, I, uh, ma, nas. Ah, yeah, so you're supposed to say it very loudly, too. 
Uh, who loved the uh, the passions plaything story and Tiffany's uh, impressions of it? That was so hilarious. Okay. <laughs> that was good, but the scene where the Fagels go to pick up the book from the librarians. wandering librarians. <laughs> <laughs> I sympathize with librarians. I wouldn't burn the books either. Right? Oh, you, you're going to freeze to death. You got all these books out here you could burn. Yeah. <laughs> Or they could look for survival tips on them. (laughs) I love that the author's name is Marjorie Bodice. Yes. It's just, yeah, anyway. So Uh, uh, I think I've got some. Do you have something? Yeah, I do. So when Tiffany is walking through the palace that's made, um, she's, there's all these statues that are naked. And they're but they all have fig leaves on them. Right. Says she, <laughs> she had tempted to lift the fig leaves in the spirit of curiosity. Oh, of inquiry. In the spirit of inquiry. <laughs> it's it's a noble curiosity she's got. Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's just, you know, she's just checking out. She just has questions. Yeah. She's just making sure they're anatomically correct. <laughs> and then with the passions plaything. As she's uh, reading the book and she can't put it down and she's like, what is wrong with this woman who, like, doesn't know anything about farming? Like, why would anybody fall in love with her? She she doesn't know the first thing about taking care of cows and pigs. <laughs> and why wouldn't very, she marry somebody practical. who owned... Why wouldn't she marry somebody who owned a horse? Like, yeah, that just... <laughs> and when they're talking about the sheep and the, and it's like, okay, but... When are they shearing these sheep? Like that's the, that's the most important day of the year. <laughs> well, some breeds don't require it, but those are really rare and expensive. And you would mention that, right? If that's the kind you had. Yeah. But she can't stop reading it at the same time. Like, you know, she's enjoying the book, even though she's complaining about these things. Yeah, she's watching reality TV with that book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, I think I got my, my notes together. Some people are good at talking, but Granny Weatherbox was good at silence. She could sit so quiet and still that she faded. You forgot she was there. The room became empty. Uh, or uh, Miss Tick smiled. Yes, and not one scruple more. A scruple being, of course, a weight of 20 grains or one twenty-fourth of an ounce. I am, in fact, unscrupulous. She waited <laughs> to see if this extremely teachery joke was going to get a smile, but... Didn't mind what it didn't. Mr. Tack, Miss Tick rather liked being smarter than other people. <laughs> oh, man. Doesn't that hit close to home? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Ash, does it? <laughs> yes, it does. It does. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like. No. You know what? We don't need to talk about this. It's fine. <laughs> I'll just come across as a jackass. <laughs> uh, okay, I have one. A witch was just someone who knew a bit more than you did. That's what the name meant. And some people didn't like anyone who knew more than they did. So these days, the wandering teachers and the traveling librarians steered clear of the place. The way things were going, if the people of Dogbend wanted to throw stones at anyone who knew more than them, they'd soon have to throw them at the pigs. <laughs> uh, I love the librarians. They're so good. You, you could tell uh, Terry has a lot of respect for them. Um... Some people think that a coven is a word for a group of witches. And it's true, that's what the dictionary says. But the real word for a group of witches is an argument. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love the witch politics in this. They're so petty. And yet it's like, they also don't feel, it doesn't feel like Granny Weatherwax is stupid for caring about this to me. They're just really invested in their communities and they have different ideas on how to manage them. And they work through these differences by being very passive-aggressive at each other. <laughs> I think I like the fact that they are like that because it shows them to just be humans. They're just yeah. human beings. And well, That's Granny Weatherwax, right? Ever since Equal Rights, she's been a very flawed character that you can't help but love. Well, they all are. They're all... They're, but they're especially Granny. Oh, Granny. She's... I sure... If you say so, she's the most flawed, I guess. And I didn't say the most in, flawed. Yeah. She's probably the most perfect. I think they're really good at weaponizing their human flaws for good ends. Like in We Free Men, Tiffany was 
She had a problem with being selfish. Yeah. Yeah. So her solution to that is just to make everybody her tribe. So she takes care (laughs) of everybody. And you know what? That's great. If you can, if you can redirect some part of you that's flawed and just turn it towards good, then hey, you saved yourself some very painful attempts at changing. That probably won't work. And a grandma too, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's still condescending and (laughs) snob. But the villagers like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she, and she turned it into an asset, really, because she mm-hmm. she really did just want to boss people around and be smarter than everyone and tell people what to do. And the villagers weren't having it at first because they were used to the boffo. But once she adopted the boffo, then they were willing to listen to her boss them around. But mm-hmm. part of it also is that she was dismissive of their little concerns Mm. you know yes you know what like the person who comes over and asks for her to look at the sheep or something and tiffany's like yes she's just lonely she just wants somebody to talk to (laughs) what is wrong with you i love that scene where she's just laying it into uh anagramma and she kicks her chair really hard when anagramma says something stupid about peasants Ah, yeah that was really just want to smack her and, and I, she wrote it all down for her and she just couldn't be twice <laughs> she did it twice uh yeah i i really like the how terry at once kind of makes fun of these townspeople because they're like they've got silly superstitions and it can sometimes be harmful but he also has also just a deep respect of them because they're humans right and then their concerns matter um, even if they might seem small, they're really big to these people. And honestly, it's right that they are, like, that they're so concerned about their sheep or pigs or you know, whatever, because, you know, that's what they have. That's their lives. That They are poor, but not too poor to show that they have good manners, which I think is what Tiffany says to Anagramma. Yeah, she says when they um, sit with the dead... That wife, would make her really poor. Yeah. They offer her, they offer them breakfast. And Tiffany's like... Of course you're going to take their take breakfast. They're, you don't want to insult them. That would insult them. They know what to do what's right. And Tiffany gets it because she's basically a poor girl. You know? I had a grandma was too. Yeah. And like no, all wasn't. the witches are. I don't think uh, she Anna, was. Anna grandma, yeah, her dad was owned. Oh, that's he didn't right. Even, yeah, he didn't she even, pretended. he wasn't even that's a farmer. Right. Yeah. She pretended that she was from a rich family when she really wasn't which is where her insecurity and her herness comes from yeah. how about that <laughs> so this one is really really stupid but i l- laughed so hard when i read it when they're going into the underworld and he's like well this one's called limbo you can because the, do- the door was very low <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i know it's not like <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> Hey, Terry, quality wordplay, as always, by Terry, as always. Terry's very good at personification, which I think works in this story. And it seemed like almost every, it works, especially in this story, because, you know, we're talking about the Lady of Summer and the Wintersmith, right? But it seemed like almost every description of the environment uh, had a bit of personification. Like the, mm-hmm. the woods held their breath, or uh, the winds ran over the hills, or something like that. And I just, I I like that kind of wordplay. It's beautiful and sets the scene really well. Yeah, and I think it really, it's a a good sort of motif to play off of the, one one of the themes, I think, which is just that humans are really good at anthropomorphizing things. Like, Mm -hmm. originally, the Wintersmith just wasn't a thing. And prior to Tiffany interfering the dance, he wasn't even a conscious thing. He was it was just like an abstract word for the 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 way that winter was. And winter is not a person and it doesn't have feelings. But then humans came along and gave it feelings. So also I really enjoyed the closing scene where they go to the to watch the Morris dance. And oh yes. Yeah. And she's and she she gives the ring. She made, yeah, she made a ring out of his nail, the nail that was his heart. And the, uh, 
the fool looked at her with his eyes and and i just thought that was cool that he was somehow for a second in this person. he was in everybody right because we saw we saw the lady well, we saw, in the eyes of yeah. the children we saw summer, summer in everybody but yeah well, Summer and the, everybody, but just the fool had went the wintersmith for a second, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, and but, the kiss was cold. Yep. So I just thought that that was a very fitting ending. And it made me a little less sad. Oh. Yeah. Still sad, but a yeah. little bit less so. Oh, yeah. Back to the superstition. I love the fact that uh, real witches didn't believe in superstition, or they weren't superstitious. They were. The thing that people were superstitious about. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that reminds me, like, why I dislike, I uh, well, I think Granny Weatherwax dislike Miss Earwig so much. Is because she seems to be really into the superstition and the magic with a K. Because Granny always puts a K on the magic that she doesn't approve of. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, she's kind of like, like a sleazy... 1920s oracle in a circus you know really like the stereotype really playing it up really playing with the the mojo and i thought she was, she was representing like new age witchery who would claim power well, and crystals and yeah new is old old is oil. new <laughs> essential yeah, is, yeah. these crystals i also really like how tiffany rallies all the young witches um, to yeah, yeah, to Andrea. help her. Yeah, and um, it just shows a lot of leadership. And she's more concerned about making sure something gets done than getting credit for it. Mm-hmm. I loved her pig witch friend. Yeah, Petunia was it? Yeah, she knows that when she's working, she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't say um, and she's yeah. just in her element, and she's confident in herself. Sounds nice. Yeah, yeah, I wish I would stop saying um. <laughs> so do I. I mean, you too, but I also wish I would stop saying um. I wish you would stop saying um too. <laughs> just all the editing of the ums. Yep. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I, I just edited an episode yesterday. So. <laughs> I, I leave in everyone else's, but I, oh, I yeah. take out mine. I, I leave everyone else laughing at my jokes and take away anyone else's laughter. Have you yeah. ever like taken a sample of laughter and put it somewhere where it shouldn't belong? <laughs> oh, I no. should. You know, just That's every fun. time I, I say something. It doesn't have to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> See? Just right there. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, how did you feel about the first chapter? Oh, how it started at the end and then it goes back after that? I thought I thought about it a little bit. I thought maybe it was in the nature of stories and that you know how something's going to go, but what's important is who and why. But uh, I can't say I was really a big fan. Yeah, I I hate this trope. Almost universally. It wasn't awful in this because it was, you know, it was kind of short and didn't, yeah. But, um... I initially just thought, I was like, oh, one, I must have missed a lot in the last Tiffany Aching book. <laughs> or two, <laughs> Terry's really jumping in with the story, Malazan style, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, oh, this is in media res, but then I remember I've read this book before. I just forgot what happened. And then, you know, it happened. Right. More books should do in media res, though. I have no thoughts about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also had no thoughts about that. As far as why they would start the beginning, the end with the, the beginning with the end, because the seasons are in a circle, and the story. It didn't really start with the end though. It started like before the climax. It sort of was the climax. It felt. Well, no, because the climax was definitely when she met the Wintersmith, and all that happened after she arrived back at the chalk. So, in, in terms of narrative tension, I didn't feel a lot of tension when she was talking to the Wintersmith. Although, like, yes, it is structurally the climax of the story. I felt a lot more tension when she was like, the lambs are dying. And um, all of a sudden, like, the Wintersmith kidnaps her. Mm-hmm. It was the lambs are dying. And how dare you? How, yeah, exactly. Why did she have to listen to her feet? 
love Tiffany. She's a really good character. <laughs> I really, like I said, uh, when we talked about Roland, I one thing I really liked, and I wish we would have seen more of, is Roland because he he's growing up, mm-hmm. and he was so useless in the first book. He was just such. And now he's, you know. Helpful. He's he's yeah. a he's a good boy. He's been reading his books on uh, siege tactics. He's learned a lot. <laughs> he's resisting his aunts. He has like six different ways out of his room. <laughs> but I mean, it's just it's just nice to see him not be useless. Yes, I agree. Uh, Tiffany was always useful. So. And you can understand why Tiffany liked him, even though she didn't want to admit it. He's just, just he's a boy that just she's a, He's to. just a friend, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't read my diary or my letters to them, please. <laughs> <laughs> also, what do you mean the gods are watching me all the time? <laughs> I, I like that scene when she meet the, met the, the goddess of things getting stuck in drawers. Yeah, she's yeah. Been, that, yeah. that goddess has been mentioned before, so that was a nice callback, too. And then later she puts up a, a note telling it's rude to watch people while they're bathing, I think. Yes. Yeah. On the <laughs> case any gods are watching. <laughs> Attaches it to the ceiling. <laughs> eh, Tiffany's watched everywhere she goes. Poor girl. Oh, so much pressure. <laughs> it's the Feagles. They are always watching. Them. Oh, my God. <laughs> is, that, is that a good thing or is it just a horrifying can't tell. Uh, pro- probably horrifying at first, but then I don't. Know, eh. I get she doesn't seem to mind as much, but that could just be kind of like Stockholm syndrome at that point. I would just like <laughs> bossing them around. <laughs> she does do the, enjoy that for sure. <laughs> and uh, she even contributed to their numbers. Horace the cheese decided yes. to join the yes. <laughs> So it's a rather blue cheese. <laughs> and it hums. If you do the audiobook version, the, the cheese noises are the best. They are so funny. I, I can just imagine they're very like wet and slurpy. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> very much. All right. So uh, I think we're probably running out of steam a bit at the end here. Do we have any final thoughts before we wrap up the episode? This world good. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Indeed. Yeah, Disc, Disc World's good. Listener, if you take nothing else from this episode, Disc World's good. Terry Pratchett, really good. Yes. Just like, if, if you like good, like, maybe, maybe not always are the, the stories that interesting, but Terry is consistently, thematically uh, uh, strong. And his characters are always strong, and his writing is always good. Like, if you like good wordplay, if you like interesting turns of phrases, if you like things that'll make you chuckle, then read Terry Pratchett, and maybe you could understand why other people enjoy good prose. Yeah, just uh, the color of magic is passable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely his, his worst, and he he Im- improves dramatically. Yes, I mean, yeah, it's his first book, he definitely improves so much like even equal rights has its problems uh but i think mostly with plotting and maybe a little bit with character um but it's still well written i like the color of magic i liked it i do too i i feel like there was a very sharp uptick in quality between just color of magic and light fantastic I like yes. Light Fantastic so much more than The Color of Magic. Yeah, and The Color of Magic isn't, it isn't, it isn't bad, and there are some really fun ideas, like the luggage is probably my I favorite part. <laughs> the luggage is good. <sighs> um, and I also think there's a sharp uptick in writing between uh, The Light Fantastic and Equal Rights, and then Equal Rights and Mort. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. I feel like Mort is where he really starts hitting his stride. I agree. Um, and it it just continues to get better and better from there for many, many books. Yeah, and Mort's like the worst death book, too. <laughs> and maybe, maybe 
Reaper Man. Reaper Watch Man's Reaper. my favorite. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hogwatch is the best. Well, that's probably going to conclude our discussion. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> on Wintersmith, the third book of the Tiffany Aching series. <laughs> maybe we'll go step. back and do two number two sometime. Yeah, maybe we will. <laughs> um, big thank you to our panelists, uh, Little Red Book. Good night. Uh, here in Fan. Bye bye. And our very special guest, Tori. Thank you for coming on, Tori. Always fun. Oh, to thank chat. you very much. Yes. Oh, uh, since this is our winter episode, uh, I, I suppose I should say happy holidays. Uh, yes. And Merry Christmas if you celebrate, and uh, happy winter. Happy, happy Hogswatch. Hogswatch. <laughs> happy uh, feast of the unconquered sun to all of the pagans up there. <laughs> Soul and victims. Happy solstice to everybody yeah. because uh, the sun is best of us. Tori, where are you from? Oh, well, uh, if if you want to hear more from me, you can come visit me at the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast, where I am one of the co-hosts. And you can find us at patreon.com slash CosmereCast to get a link to our Discord server. You don't have to be a patron. The link is just right there on the top. Check out their, their Blade Runner discussion. It's really good. Yeah, we had a very awesome special guest panelist on that episode, so... <laughs> you have to listen to that episode oh my god <laughs> it was really good I enjoyed it closing out the episode <laughs> yeah. thanks for having me you guys thank you for coming on Yeah, and that'll do it for me I'm Ashaman and uh, you can find us uh, on twitter at green team pod thank you horizon brave for getting us started thank you craig for learning us a small corner of your media empire uh, and everybody have a great time. Am I frozen for any of you guys as well, by the way? You're frozen yes. for yes. me. Yes, you are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if this fixes it. I can't I'm actually see anyone. Or so just maybe I should just, uh, <laughs> okay, maybe just turn off my camera too? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm leaving all of this in. I, just so you guys know. Maybe I just oh. killed it, yeah. Wow. Okay, well, I, just, I guess it's just no camera today. Uh, I know, I'm sad too. I like being a camera. Um, oh, I'm the only one with the camera. I can't even see you, so it doesn't count. Okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, shame. If I can't okay. see something, it doesn't exist. That's, you know... Is that's, that how it works? I think it is. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>